You, you want to have some fun before we get into the message time? Let's see if we can have some fun, okay? Here we go. Uh, we're going to divide the room into four groups, just kind of loosely. That group over there, that section over there, you guys love the color red, okay? Just say it with me. I love red. Oh, come on. You can get more passion than that. Come on. I love red. Okay, that's your, that's your assignment, okay? Now, this group going back, about three or four people in this group going back, you hate the color red. Come on. I hate red. Okay, so, so you, you want anything red, you want it. Got it? <laughs> this group's asleep, so just let's ignore them. You want anything red, right? You guys don't want anything red. You guys don't believe that the color red exists. No such thing. What do you, I don't know what they're talking about. What are they fighting over? It doesn't even exist, right? And you guys just want us all to get along. All right, here we go. Who wants this beautiful red apple? Go. <laughs> Thank you. There's always one that has to get the final word. <laughs> Here's, here, I, did, I did that just for fun, but I also did it to make a point because the reality is that a lot of energy can be produced over something that we don't even care about. So let's start talking about politics or theology or a host of subjects, and we can get really passionate really quickly and, and it's just amazing how profoundly our beliefs define not only our lives, but the way we relate to one another. Now, here's the good news, the bad news, okay? The good news, bad news is we all have beliefs. Some of them are true and some of them are not. We believe them even when they're not, but we have them. Some of those false beliefs, it's no big deal. I mean, you know, some of you still believe in the tooth fairy. Uh, you know, some of you believe in Groundhog Day. You know, if the groundhog sees his shadow, I can't remember which one it is. But you know, because you believe in it, right? That stuff doesn't matter. It's no big deal. But we also have some false beliefs that, that, that affect our lives profoundly. Some of us have, uh, some of those beliefs have robbed us of contentment when there's absolutely no reason not to be at peace. Some of us walk around feeling guilty and ashamed all the time when there's nothing to be ashamed of. Some of us uh, live in worry and fear when there's nothing to be afraid of, when things are working, when we should be at peace. Those beliefs, true or false, ultimately define our lives. We're in a series kicked off last Sunday morning that we're calling Culture Wars, and we've got two very specific goals for this little mini-series during the month of January. We want to help you win your culture war. Anybody here agree with me that we live in a culture that's at war over beliefs? Yeah, it's just huge, the impact that it's having on us as Christians, on the world as a whole, on the church. It's huge, and we have to learn how to navigate those waters as followers of Jesus Christ. So we're going to provide you the tools, starting last Sunday and today, we're going to try to provide you with the tools that will help you in order to win your own personal culture at war. And then the last Sunday in, in January, we're going to be talking about how we as a church family can win this culture war because God did not call us to hunker down and hide till he gets here. Hello? He called us to take territory. 
He called us to go seek and to save those who were lost, which is why he ultimately came. So we're going to talk about how we can take our church to the next level of influence in Goldsboro and beyond and start making a difference at a higher level than we ever have before in this culture. Last week, we established that we are winning this culture war when we get two things right. Again, on a personal level and a church level, two things right. You that were here, remember what they are? First of all, we have to, well, that's, you didn't know you were going to get a pop test this morning. Here, they're on the screen. You can get it right when it's right there on the screen. Come on. We are staying true to God's Word. Say it with me. We are staying true to God's Word, and your godly influence is increasing in the world. You know, you've got to get them both, right? We all know people who are staying true to God's Word, but their influence is shrinking because they're coming at it from this kind of hate speech, stand on your soapbox and yell at people kind of approach, uh, this obnoxious kind of thing. And the result is that they're not gaining influence at all, even though they're staying true to the Word. And then we know other people that are watering the gospel down in hopes of getting influence, and maybe their influence is increasing, but it's not a godly influence. So if we're going to get it right, we've got to get both. We've got to stay true to God's Word and uh, our godly influence increase in the world. And that's what we're trying to learn how to do both on an individual level and a church level. If you're going to put anything on social media, be sure to use hashtag culture wars. All of our campuses are doing the same thing, and we can read what each other is thinking and saying uh, from all of those things. If you'd like a copy of the notes of the message, you're welcome to have them. Just go to info at uh, bridgechurch.cc. Be sure to request the Goldsboro notes, because if you don't make that request, you're going to get Farrell's sermon, and it's not nearly as good as mine. So just, <laughs> what? I'm kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> Last week, we started looking at Daniel, who was definitely one of those biblical characters that got it right. He stayed true to the teachings of God's Word, and his influence grew across three administrations uh, of, of pagan world until he was the advisor to the King Darius himself. And so we laid some foundational truths. Simply put, remind you, bring the rest of you up to speed, uh, some simple truths. First of all, culture wants to rename us. They want to tell you who you are. And if we're going to win this culture war, we have to know who we are in Christ. I said to you very simply that if we're going to win this war, we have to be more concerned with what God knows about us than with what people think about us. And anytime you cross that line where you're more concerned with what people think than what God knows, then the culture is influencing you more than you are influencing the culture. Well, let's be honest, guys. We all struggle with that. Hello? We all like to be liked. We like it when people like us. Anybody here doesn't like it when people like you? You've got some sociopathic issues we might need to address afterwards if you do. <laughs> Uh, we do. We like to be liked, and so we have to struggle with that kind of. The second foundational truth we got is that culture changes and God doesn't. And so if you want to have a foundation that will stand, you've got to have the one that has stood the test of time, which is God's Word. So we have to sort through what can be changed and what can't be changed, what's eternal and what's not. An awful lot of stuff that the church holds on to that just simply isn't an eternal truth. It's a current preference. We have to be able to sort through all that stuff. And then finally, we have to resolve. Once we know the truth, we have to resolve to live by those truths, to hold fast to those eternal truths because they're going to be tested. It's going to be tested. Your resolve will be tested. I thought I'd get at least two amens out of that one because we've all endured the test. Hear me, Satan will mean those tests for harm. God will use them for good. Okay? 
So let's get into it. When you lay that foundation, here's what happens. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, maybe you brought a Bible or a smartphone or an iPad, you can look it up. It'll be on the screens as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15 from the New International. Let's start building on that foundation that we've laid. Here we go. I want you to read it with me. One, two, three, go. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Stop right there. What is the only foundation? Well, you did real good on that one. I'm really proud of you. Here we go. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. What's the day? Anybody know? We're talking about the day when everybody's going to give an account of themselves to God. That day's coming. And when that day comes, it will be revealed what you have built with your life on that foundation, okay? It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will do what? It will do what? There we go. We'll test the quality. I love those guys in the booth. I'm sorry to give them a hard time. With the, with the, uh, we'll test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, come on, the builder will receive a reward. The builder will receive what? A reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. Here we go. But yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping the flames. That's my favorite phrase from the whole passage. Do you get the picture? You are not saved by your works. You're saved by the grace of God. Got it? You can't do anything to make God love you more than he does or less than he does. He loves you because of who he is. You're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on Calvary. But you get to choose whether when you stand before him on the final day, you get rewards if you've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Or if you just make it in with the flames going after you. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> That's what you get to choose. So today, I want to lean into this idea of beliefs just a little bit, as quickly as I can, and unpack for you the importance of your beliefs and, and what we need to know about our beliefs. I want to do a couple of things. First of all, I want to give you five general facts about beliefs, five facts. I didn't say ideas. I didn't say suggestions. They are facts. If you disagree with me later, that's fine. You're just wrong. These are facts. <laughs> okay? And then I want to give you some action steps, three things that I want to challenge you to really seriously think about building into your life, particularly as we kick off 2017 and beyond, and particularly in light of us trying to live out our Christian experience in the midst of an ever-shifting culture. Ready to get into it? Five general facts about what you believe. Fact number one, my beliefs are my choice. My beliefs are my choice. No one forces you to believe anything. People can force you to do stuff. They cannot force you to believe anything. If you want to believe something, you can. If I want to believe Elvis Presley's still alive, that's my call. You can make fun of me, but I still get to decide whether that's true or not. My point is simply is you can't blame anybody else for your beliefs. Oh, sure, parents and teachers and preachers have influence 
But at the end of the day, God has given us the ability to reason through what we believe and choose to evaluate and to pick up or drop any beliefs at any given time that we choose to do that. In fact, one of my hopes of this message today is that you'll do that, that you'll commit to evaluate your beliefs. And here's the model, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, 22. Let's read it together out loud. Test. What does everything include in Scripture? Everything. Keep what is good. Stay away from everything that is evil. Could it be that simple? Well, it's easy to say. It's not always that easy to do because beliefs get ingrained whether they're true or not. But the Scriptures say test everything. Hold on to the good stuff and get rid of the evil stuff. That's simple to say and yet can be such a challenge. No way, though, we want to be like the people Paul wrote about in Romans 1 when he said in verse 25, they traded the truth of God for a lie. Second general fact about beliefs is my beliefs determine my behaviors. My beliefs determine my behaviors, and my behaviors always have consequences. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. In other words, there is a belief behind every action that you ever take. Maybe conscious, maybe unconscious, but there is a belief behind every action that you take. When you came into this room this morning and you sat down in the chair, guess what? You believed that that chair would hold you up. It was probably unconscious. You didn't stop to say, hmm, let me see, will this chair hold me? You just sat down. But there was a belief behind that action. If the chair looked rickety, then you might have had a debate about whether you thought it would hold you up or not, in which case it would be a conscious decision to sit down. But still, it's based on a a belief. You get in the car after the service. You go put the key in the ignition and turn it. You do that because you believe it will start. And you believe that you can get out of this parking lot alive. I mean, that's, that's, you believe that or you wouldn't do it. Make sense? Here's, here's the issue. Here's the reason this is so important. My beliefs determine the way I act even when my beliefs are wrong. My beliefs determine the way I act even when my beliefs are wrong. Can we say that together? My beliefs determine the way I act even when my beliefs are wrong. So if you believe you are unlovable, how will you act? I'm lovely. If you believe you're a risk taker, how will you act? Yeah, let's go for it, man. Let's do this thing, right? If you don't believe people can be trusted, what will you do? You'll put up walls. And then you'll say, why won't you get close to me? That's what we do based on our beliefs. If you believe God is unconcerned, you won't bother to pray. The point is simply, even when our beliefs are based on false assumptions, they still lead to actions which always have consequences. So you need to think through your beliefs before you act. What a concept. Otherwise, you wake up one day and say, how did I get here? You've done that, right? I have. How on earth did I get here? How did I get so far off track? How did I get this far down the road? Can I tell you some things about getting lost in the natural that's true in the spiritual as well? We don't get lost on purpose. Am I right? I mean, there are some brave souls out here who say, well, I'm going to go get lost because that will help me learn the town. And there's some people who do that. But for the most part, we don't get lost on purpose. Secondly, we don't realize we're getting lost while we're getting lost. 
Am I right? You go on a trip, you miss your turn, you just keep going. Because you don't know you missed your turn or, or you've taken the turn, right? So here you get a mile or two down the road and you start going. You know what happens, right? This doesn't look right. Did we, did we miss a turn somewhere? No, no, no. Where, I know where we're going. I've been this way before. I don't know. This is usually the husband saying we're going. It's the wife saying we should chop and check. Okay, just, I'm just saying. That wasn't a word from the Lord. That was just my experience. <laughs> okay? Eventually, you get down the road. You didn't know you were getting lost while you were getting lost. And eventually, you say, this isn't right. Got to turn back. Usually 13 miles up the road before you go, oh, man, I guess we missed it. Let's go back. But here's the deal, guys. The road we're on determines where we end up. That's deep. <laughs> Remember, my beliefs are my choice, and they determine my behaviors. My beliefs have consequences. You ready for fact number three? The culture teaches me lots of counterfeit beliefs. Can I get a witness to that one? Doesn't it amaze you how little the average person challenges what we hear, see, and read? D does it amaze you? Uh, committed Christians do this all the time. They'll post stuff that supports something that they believe in, and they never check to see if it's actually true. They just kind of liked it, so they put it out there as though it's true. Uh, it's crazy. Well, if it's on the Internet, it must be true, right? You, you do know that they caught Bigfoot the other day. What? I saw a video on Facebook. It's got to be true. So I don't know if you know Dale Sauls or not, pastors in Sanford, North Carolina. Dale was with Kim and I uh, on staff at the church in Chesapeake for seven or eight years, and we had a great time together. We were tag team sermon, uh, a sermon one morning, and uh, he, he, we were preaching on Genesis 32 when Jacob wrestled with the Lord uh, the angel of the Lord all night, and uh, Dale did the opening to the message, and then he turned it over to me. Well, Dale's got an interesting sense of humor. He, he took a picture. He found a picture of Hulk Hogan standing with Billy Graham, and he photoshopped my face onto Hulk Hogan's body <laughs> with the long blonde hair, the whole deal. I mean, badly photoshopped. His face was a little crooked, the whole thing. But he, he said, now, Pastor Jim is perfectly suited to preach this message on Jacob wrestling because he was actually a wrestler before he came to the Lord. <laughs> and everybody laughed. And he said, no, no, I'm serious. I have a picture. And he puts this picture of Hulk Hogan and Billy Graham up on the screens, and everybody clapped and laughed, and we went on with the message. We had a good time. Well, that's fine until a couple of months later, one of the members of our church came to me and said, Pastor Jim, I need to talk you to talk to my mom. Our, our member was probably in his 40s. His mom was in her late 70s. He said, I need you to talk to my mom. Um, she's a little upset with you. And I said, what, what have I done? She said, well, he said, well, I think she actually thinks you lied to her. Um, I said, oh, man, I, yeah, by all means, let me, what happened? She said, well, you know, we went to my sister's house for dinner the other night, and she told my sister she's been going to this new church, and it's a little more contemporary than she's comfortable with, but she's starting to like it a lot. And, and you know, she really, the preacher is just wonderful. He used to be a wrestler. <laughs> and Billy Graham actually led him to the Lord personally. And I said, Mom, that was a joke. She said, no, they had a picture on the screen and everything. I saw it. So she thinks you lied. And I said, I didn't lie. Dale lied. I didn't do it. <laughs> now, you may think that's silly and naive, but what is the controversy of our times? Fake news. And you don't know. 
when news sources don't check their sources and they don't corroborate information, it's hard to really tell. Now, we can blame technology on that if we want, but the fact is John warned us 2,000 years ago, 1 John 4, 1, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully wait and examine what people tell you. Not everything, who, everyone who talks about God comes from God. Technology is just the current method that Satan uses to spread the lies. So you've got to be aware. You've got to be aware. There's a lot of stuff disguising as truth out there these days that are absolutely false. They are counterfeit beliefs. Ready for the fourth fact? Fourth fact is the only source, the only source. Did I say the only? What, what does only mean? Just that one. There's only one source of absolute truth, and it is God's Word. Hear me. One of the fundamental questions of life that everybody has to answer, whether they're Christians or not, whether they're Baptist or Buddhist, there's one question we all have to answer. What is going to be the source of final authority in my life? We have to figure that out. Is it going to be my own opinion? Is it going to be the opinion of others? And if it's others, who's that going to be? Do I believe what I believe because mama said it or grandma said it or because I heard it on the street or because I learned it in Sunday school or because that's what the preacher said or because I watched it on TV or because Morgan Freeman knows everything there is to know about God? How, how am I going to decide what the truth is in my life? And at the risk of oversimplifying this thing, there are only two sources. There are only two there's the world system, we're calling the culture in this series, and there's God's system. That's it. Those are the only two systems. It's culture or Christ. And you have to decide which one uh, is going to be your source of truth. Now, here's the problem. The default setting, the default setting for every one of us, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus, the default setting for all of us is culture. You know why I know? Because we're born with a sin nature. We're born with a nature that leans toward that. And we live in a fallen world that supports that sin nature. And here's the worst one, but it's still true. Most of us feed our flesh more than we feed our spirit. I mean, TV viewing alone. Lots of research out there. I, I, I did some fresh research this week just to see, just to kind of get a handle on, on what's being said these days. And here's what the researchers are telling us. The average American watches television 5.11 hours per day. In 18 years' time, you have amassed more than 30,000 hours of television viewing. Now let's assume that you're in church every Sunday, you're in a life group every other week, and that you have an hour of personal devotion every week in your life. Within 18 years, you have amassed less than 3,000 hours of feeding your spirit. So just kind of put that on a scale and think about 30,000 hours versus 3,000 hours. The story is told of the villager that went to the village elder and said, uh, Elder, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. It's almost like there are two dogs inside of me fighting, and one's a good dog and one's a bad dog, and the good dog wants me to do good things, and the bad dog wants me to do bad things, and, and, and they're fighting constantly. How do I know which one's going to win? And the elder just simply looked at him and said, It depends on which one you feed. 
hear me, guys. The only one source of real dependable truth is God's Word. Romans chapter 3, verse 4, God will continue to be true even when every person is false. Luke 21, 33, though all heaven and earth shall pass away, yet my words will remain forever true. Simply put, God's Word has stood the test of time. So if you're going to build a foundation that will stand the test of a shifting culture, you've got to base your beliefs on the truth of God's Word. And I'll tell you now, when you make that decision, it's going to be tested over and over and over. Only a foundation based on the truth of God's Word, Jesus Christ Himself. The Bible says Jesus is the Word made flesh among us. Only then will your foundation stand. You ready for the fifth fact? The fifth fact, my beliefs are my choice. My beliefs determine my behaviors. The culture teaches many counterfeit beliefs. The only source of absolute truth is God's Word. Number five, my health requires replacing lies with truth. Dr. Chris Thurman is a Christian psychologist, written a number of books, and I can't call him a friend, but he's a colleague and acquaintance. We've interacted many times. He says in one of his books, truth is the roadmap for negotiating the difficult challenges of life. Without it, we get lost, and we depend on, uh, we develop emotional problems that tell us we're lost. We often settle for half-truths or no truth at all because they're usually easier. But truth is the only road to spiritual and emotional health. There's no other path. The good news is that truth is avoidable to anyone who wants it. That also means that spiritual and emotional health is also possible for anyone who wants it. The real question is, am I willing to pay the price? Am I willing to pay the price? Rick Warren says it this way in his Purpose Driven Life book. He says, behind every self-defeating behavior is a self-deceiving lie that I'm holding on to. You see, we get our beliefs and they get ingrained in us. And even though we understand that it's our choice, and we understand that our beliefs have behaviors that have consequences, and we understand that the world is throwing false beliefs at us, and we understand the Bible is the only true source, we still hold on to those beliefs that are not necessarily true. That's why Jesus said 78 times in the Gospels, I tell you the truth. 20 times in the Gospels, he said, you've heard it said this way, but I'm telling you this. What's he doing? He's saying you've got to let go of the lies and grab onto the truth. Regardless of who told you the lie, regardless of how trustworthy that person was, you've got to let go of the lies and hold on to the truth. It's what counselors call replacement therapy. Get rid of the junk and take on the new. And it's the only road, Dr. Chris says, to emotional and spiritual health. So the simple truth is the failure to do the hard work of sorting through what you really believe and why you believe it. Replacing the lies with the truth is why so many Christians make it into heaven, but it's just by escaping the flames. They never find the abundant life that Jesus promised. And I want you to be in heaven. I want us to celebrate together in heaven. I think the worship there is going to be incredible. But I want you to have an abundant life now, too. I want you to find fulfillment now, too.
That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You don't just hear the truth. You actually put it into practice. Now, here's the problem. For an awful lot of people that go to church every weekend, they don't put it into practice because they don't know what it says. They don't know. They don't have the training. They don't have the background. They're waiting for the movie to come out. They don't want to read the book. I don't know, but they don't know. Other people know the stories. I, you, know, you know, They know about my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. <laughs> or me shack, horse shack, and a billy goat. I mean, they know those stories. But they've never learned the principles behind the stories so that when they find themselves with a decision to make, they know how to reason biblically. You've got to think through choices and consequences biblically. You've got to be able to reason through what does the Bible actually teach. And then there's still others who know the principles, and they're glad to apply them to you as long as they don't have to look in the mirror themselves. The good news is you can be healthy. The good news is you can find the abundant life. The good news is you can have everything that Jesus promised to you. But you've got to lay the foundation and you've got to build on that foundation a, a system of beliefs that are based on the truth of God's Word which always, 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 always involves replacing the lives that we've held on to with the truth of God's Word. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said it this way. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. People love to quote that last phrase, the truth will set you free. That's not what he said. He said, if you hold to my teachings, if you do the hard work of getting rid of the lies, holding on to the truth, and then work that, really be disciples of that, then you will know the truth. And when you know the truth, I mean really know it, the truth will set you free. So before I let you go, in closing moments, I want you to lean in. I want to give you three keys to making sure you're getting this right because I want you to win the culture war. I want you to win it in your family. I want you to win it for your children's sake and your grandchildren's sake. I want you to win it for the culture's sake. I want you to win it for your sake. I want you to win the culture's sake, war. So there's three things you got to do. Three things you got to do. I have three fingers, right? First of all, I choose to learn the truth. I choose to learn the truth. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Does that sound like a suggestion to you? Done to me. Grow. That's what he said, grow. Just grow. That's kind of like saying that the Ten Commandments are the Ten Suggestions. I'm sorry, they're not the Ten Suggestions. They are the Ten Commandments. This is a commandment, grow. And how are we to grow? In grace and Knowledge. Make sure that you're getting both grace and knowledge. Hear me. Growing in knowledge is a good thing, but the Bible also says that knowledge puffs up. If you're learning about the Bible without learning grace, you will tend to become judgmental toward the people who don't know as much as you know. You're learning the facts, but you aren't really learning about the Savior because John 1 tells us Jesus came full of grace and truth. Remember the goal? To be true to the word and 
to have increase in our influence. Luke 19 says Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. The more you know about the Word of God, the more you know about Jesus Christ, the more broken you will be about the needs of the lost around you. Second thing I want you to understand on this journey of learning the truth is you've got to be careful where you go for your source of truth. I read this past week that five out of ten bestsellers out right now are about angels, the afterlife, channeling our spirit world. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff out there. There's lots of interest in the spiritual realm these days. And hear me, those books are filled with glorious experiences. And and if you're not careful, you you will read those experiences and think how wonderful they are. But a lot of them are based on truths, half truths, and outright deceptions. You have to make sure, hear me, hear these words. You have to make sure that the truth is based on truth, not just an experience. No matter how exciting or amazing that experience might be, doesn't mean it's true. If I had a magician up here and he made a lady disappear, did you experience that? Yeah. Did the lady disappear? No, she went into a trap door under the box. But it appeared to be real. You experienced it. It just isn't true. So am I saying don't have experiences? No. I'm saying make sure the experience is the caboose of your train, not the engine. Make sure truth is what you're actually learning. Be sure to heed the warning Paul gave us in 1 Timothy 4, 7. Do not follow foolish stories that disagree with God's truth, but train yourself to serve God. Don't ever base your beliefs on experience alone. So, where do you go when you're learning, when you want to learn truth, where do you go? Cosmo? People? Time? Some good stuff out there, right? You know what the Bible says? 1 John 3, 15? This is the church of the living God, which is the, what is it? The pillar and the support of the truth. Guess what? If you want to learn the truth, you've come to the right place. It's in the house of God with the people of God reading the Word of God. Not because I said it. Challenge everything I say, too. People come to me sometimes and say, Jim, I was taking notes while you were speaking. Is it all right if I went home and looked those scriptures up? Is it all right? Yeah. Go, read them. And if you see I said something wrong, come back and tell me because I want to know. I'm just a guy who puts his pants on like everybody else. I throw them up in the air, and I jump, and I kind of float into them. (laughs) That's how you do it, right? Hear me, guys. If you're a seeker of the truth, then you've come to the right place because we love those dangerous kinds of questions that seekers ask, like, why should I believe this book? And it's just a book written by man. We love those dangerous kind of questions that, that, you kind of, that you ask. You know, if I commit suicide, what happens to me? All those kind of scary questions that, quite honestly, an awful lot of Christians are afraid of. And they'll kind of push you away if you start asking. Come on, ask your questions. We want to find, help you find answers together because we're in this together to find the truth. Now, the church's role is to provide you with the environments, and that's why you see the announcement video. Was it weird to have me doing the announcements while I'm sitting on the front row? Was that as weird for you? Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird for me, sitting and go, who's that good-looking guy on the screen? I don't know who that... Well, he looks old. I didn't think, who's that old guy? Uh, 
But that's why we do that, because we've got the Discover Seminar that'll help you figure out who you are and what your personality's like, what your niche in the body of Christ is. We've got the Ownership Seminar that helps you understand what it means to really be a part of a church family. We've got the I Was Broke, But Now I'm Not Seminar coming up uh, on February 1st. We've got Hearts at Home, which is young mothers that meet right here on this campus on Wednesday mornings. We've got Heart of a Warrior, where men go away and learn about being spiritual leaders and being the men God called us to be. We've got divorce care coming up soon. And this time through divorce care, we've got a version for kids who've been through divorce. And so that'll be going on simultaneously. So while adults are in here processing through the pain of divorce, their kids will have an opportunity with Miracle Stevens to process through that as well. I mean, all of those things that we offer, why do we do that? Because we want to help you learn the truth. Second step in the journey then is you commit to live by the truth. Remember what Jesus said? Those who know and practice, those are the ones who actually get there. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15, Paul said, We will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone's told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound the truth. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ. Are you following that? This, this journey of, of discovering the truth, living the truth, speaking the truth, living truthfully, ultimately brings you to become more and more like Jesus Christ. You're building on the foundation of truth. So let me just say one thing about that, and we're going we're to move on. That's almost impossible. That is mission impossible to do alone. And that's why we have life groups here. That's why we challenge you to get into one of those life groups. They're not perfect people who have got all their act together. They're people that are on the same journey that you're on, who want to learn, who want to grow, who want to challenge what they already believe against the truth of God's Word. And they want to help each other to get there. And when they don't know, then they go find a source to find out the answers to it. That's what life group's about. If you're not in a life group, then kick off 2017 right. Get your Connect card right now. Check life group on there and, and give it to somebody at the, at the desk out front. We'd be thrilled to help you get connected in a group because as we do life together, that's when we start to understand the truth and apply the truth i got to close. If you really want to do this, you've got to love the truth. You've got to live the truth. Then ultimately what happens is you begin to love the truth. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead be, what's the word? Changed within by how? A new way of thinking. Guys, I'm not talking to you about turning over a new leaf. I'm talking about getting a new life. I'm talking about a life that's based in the truth of God's Word that leads to the abundant life that Jesus promised. That kind of change takes time. Challenging what we believe, holding on, testing everything, holding on to what is good, getting rid of what is not, that journey takes time. And that's why I say real change happens so gradually that one day you look around and say, you mean I, I, I used to think that? You mean I used to believe that? You mean I used to struggle with that? You mean I used to be tempted by that and now I don't want nothing to do with it? When did that change? Your mind changed along the way and the result was you were transformed. How do you get there? First, by learning the truth. Second, by living the truth. And then ultimately, you come to love the truth 
because you see its work in your life and the truth will set you free. Let's pray for that right now. Father, you know us. You know the areas of our lives where we're getting it right and celebrating and the areas of our lives where we're struggling and the areas of our lives where we're not even sure which way to go. Thank you for loving us just the way we are, but loving us too much for us to stay the way we are. You want to help us learn. You want to help us grow. So, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Teach us. Teach us the value of learning the truth, of taking the time to realign our schedules so that we're in the classes that we need to take and the seminars that we need to take, and we're in church. We're not checking this current series to see if we're interested and deciding whether to go to church then. We're just, we're in church. Letting your word speak into our lives. Then help us to begin to live the truth. Knowing how difficult it is to do alone, we're connecting with other people that are on the same journey that we're on. Getting in a life group, getting into a women's group or a men's group, taking advantage of the opportunities that are provided so we can help each other through life. And then, Lord, watch us, celebrate with us as our lives demonstrate a love of the truth. Thank you for the journey that every person in this room is on, wherever they are in that journey. Thank you that you're calling us all to take a step in your direction right now. I'm not going to keep you, but I want to give you a chance to pray this morning before we leave here. Your eyes are closed and nobody's looking around. Please don't move for the next couple of minutes. Let's just make this a, a private, solitary moment with God. You pray a simple prayer with me. I'm praying it. I want you to join me in it. Jesus, I want to know any false beliefs that I'm holding on to. I don't want them in my life. I want to know the truth. I believe your word is the source of truth. So would you help me to learn it? Holy Spirit, would you be my teacher? Thank you for giving me a church like this of other people that are on the same journey I'm on, and they're not judgmental. They just say, hey, man, I got my stuff. You got your stuff. Let's go together get better. Then help me to love it because I see its fruit in my life for generations to come. In Jesus' name. Father, you know who's praying. Speak to their hearts today. We want to win this culture war in our own lives, in our own families. Help us to take the steps that are needed to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The prayer team.